You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution.com. Well, we're in a series, second week, called Battle Ready. And what we're doing the best we can to communicate to you is if you didn't know, we want you to grab a hold of the fact that you are in the middle of a spiritual battle. You are in what we call spiritual warfare every single second of every single day. Last week, we talked about Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, and I want to reread that here in just a second. The entirety of the passage of Scripture that we're going to go over during this two-month series is really found in 10 verses. And today, uh, we're going to move on to verse 14, but let's read verses 10 through 13 and just read and review a little bit of what we, what we talked about last week when we really said we were trying to get you to wake up to realize you're in this spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. Y'all with me? Say, I am. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Paul says this over and over, put on the full armor of God. Uh, Have you ever had a dream where you were naked and you walked in somewhere? Like I had a buddy one time that told me he had a dream that he preached naked and he woke up like in a cold sweat, you know what I mean? That's the idea here. Make sure you have all your armor on, all your clothing on, otherwise you'll be embarrassed And you'll wake up in a cold sweat one night, I guess. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. Paul, in these first three verses, just as a review for us that we talked about last week. If you didn't see it, go back and watch it. Paul describes the spiritual battle that rages around Christians every single day. He gives us a verbal snapshot of the devil and his demons. He encourages us to stand in the power of Christ's might against the schemes of the enemy. In other words, we don't stand in our power, we stand in his power. He tells us that a diabolical battle requires divine weapons. In fact, a satanic attack demands spiritual defenses. He lets us know that there is a battle taking place in the invisible realm that controls everything around us in the physical realm. We'd be good to remember 2 Corinthians chapter 10 as we unpack the armor and go over the first piece of armor today that really backs up exactly what Paul says and and maybe it'll clarify it for you a little bit. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, for though we live in the world, We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So in other words, we're fighting a spiritual battle and it requires spiritual armor and spiritual weapons. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul ultimately in these first three verses, if you remember last week, he lets us know that God is in control. And no matter how organized, how well funded, no matter what schemes the enemy can come up with, God always 
wins. In fact, what we, what we find when we study spiritual warfare is that the enemy has to get approval for anything they do. They have to get approval from God. Well, what we're going to get into today is, again, God's grace gift of spiritual armor. Six different pieces of armor uh, that God gives us in order to fight this spiritual battle. And each piece equips us in a very unique way. Now, remember, there's two categories that we're going to talk about over the next six weeks starting today. Uh, There are the haves and the take-ups. The first three pieces of armor that are mentioned in Ephesians, starting in verse 14, Paul says, have them. In other words, you put them on and you never take them off. The last three pieces of spiritual armor are pieces of armor that the Bible says we are to take up as needed in order to fight this. The halves are the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace. The things that we are to take up are the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Now, I would throw at you this weekend that there is actually technically not a seventh piece of the armor, but a seventh seventh piece that we need to consider, and in the last week we're going to talk about it. Because In verse 18, Paul moves from talking about a metaphorical uh, armor set that we're supposed to wear, and he goes in really to a concrete exhortation or command that puts the armor to full use when he talks about prayer. So the last week of this series, actually on New Year's Day, uh, you'll hear a sermon where we will unpack the importance of prayer as it pertains to spiritual warfare. Now, what we're going to see starting today with the belt of truth is, understand this first. Paul describes the spiritual armor in the order that a soldier would put them on. And that's important because today, this really is the foundation for every other piece of armor. Let's read verse 14, though. Just one simple verse that will tell us about the piece of armor we're talking about today. If you're with me, say, I am. Paul says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Uh, If you come from a King Jimmy background... Maybe you've heard it this way, gird your loins with the belt of truth. How many of y'all gird your loins up in here? Yeah, that's kind of like Game of Thrones, you know, kind of language and stuff like that. What it simply means is put on the belt of truth. When we think of belts, we think of maybe different things pop in your head. Probably most everybody in here has a belt on today for some reason or another. Maybe you picked a belt based off of how it matched your clothes, and you picked a belt based off uh, fashion. Uh, Maybe you're a guy in here like me, and you really only have two belts. You've got a fancy belt, and then you've got the belt that you wear all the rest of the time. I have one belt that I carry all the time, like I wear all the time, and it's because it's comfortable. I like it. Uh, You know, when I eat too much, it stretches just a little. Y'all know what I'm saying? It keeps my britches up. Make sure more on that in a minute, but there are other belts we think of. Maybe you think of a belt buckle. Um, when we talk about belts, and this is going to help us today, uh, this is my actual weightlifting belt that I've used in the past in powerlifting competitions. We'll talk more about that in a few. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about this belt right here, right? Like, we're not going to use this for anything today, but this is probably my favorite belt that if I could, I would wear it all the time everywhere, Okay. Now, if you're not into wrestling, professional wrestling, okay, the fake kind, right, okay, 
Um, it's, it's choreographed. It's not fake. That's what we would say. This is what's known as the big gold belt that Ric Flair carried in the 1980s and 1990s when he was the 16-time world heavyweight champion of the world. Everybody just give me a big woo. That's right. So this is a belt that's pretty awesome. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about how the belt of truth really is like a tactical belt. This tactical belt that you know law enforcement uses and soldiers use and different things like that. Something like this. But there's all kinds of belts. But what Paul is speaking of is the belt that a Roman soldier would use. In fact, if you look on this example that we have, the Romans, oh, I hit it, Brandy. It's going to fall over. If it falls over, just ignore it, okay, y'all? This is something more like what a Roman soldier would wear is a belt like this. It was about six inches of very thick leather that a Roman soldier would wear. And the fact that the belt is the very first piece of armor that is put on is very significant. Because when a soldier put their belt on, what it essentially showed was preparedness. In other words, I'm ready for battle. I'm alert. And putting on your belt as a Roman soldier was a way of saying, I'm ready to go to war. It is an emblem for battle. Pilate, who was the one that ultimately sentenced Jesus to death in the Gospels, had a very famous question that he asked of Jesus, and that was, what is truth, if you remember that? Uh, I think it would be good for us, before we get into really the functions of the belt of truth and how we can tie those to the functions of a Roman soldier's belt to really define what truth is. You know, I heard a story about how a psychologist, an accountant, and a judge got together to discuss the nature of truth. The psychologist said, working with people, I've found that truth is what you feel it to be. Uh, accountants said, working with accounts, I found that truth is what you need it to be. The judge said, working in the courts, I found that truth is what you want it to be. It's a pretty accurate way of how the world defines truth in the world we live in today. But what we find when we really try to define truth is we see that God determines what truth is. God determines what truth is. It makes sense that the armor begins with this belt of truth, truth being the main word there, because Satan is a liar. He is the father of lies. He's been a liar from the beginning, and his entire kingdom is built on lies. The word truth used in Ephesians chapter 6 is the Greek word aletheia, and it really, its literal definition is twofold. It means the content of truth and truthfulness. I'll explain truth to you this weekend uh, to understand it these three ways. This is how you, in other words, put on your belt of truth as you have truth in these three ways. And then I'll summarize it with a statement. Number one, truth is character or integrity. Living a life of character or integrity. In other words, telling the truth. 2 John chapter 1, verse 4, It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father has commanded us to do. Secondly, truth is the truth of God revealed in His written word. In other words, the truth of the Bible. John 17, 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And thirdly, of course, truth is defined as 
truth incarnate in the man, Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I can make it easier to understand other than this threefold definition by saying this. We put on the belt of truth when we know the truth and we stand for truth. Let me say that again. We put on, let me say it the way it's on the thing. We put the belt of truth on when we know the truth and when we stand for truth. So it's not just knowledge, it's also a verb and it is actions as well. Three things that we can learn figuratively from a Roman soldier's belt and how it connects to the belt of truth in our lives. First, truth secures. Truth secures. It functions kind of like a weightlifting belt. You see, Roman soldiers would carry, by the time they got all their armor on, some 70 to 80 pounds of armor. They typically walked wherever the battle was going to be. So the belt functioned as a stabilizer so that the soldier could carry every piece of equipment that they needed to carry. Similar to a weightlifting belt. This is a 13-millimeter, two-prong weightlifting belt that I use for powerlifting. I deadlifted 765 pounds with this, and I don't think I could have done it without it. Uh, it was like, you know, a million years ago, okay, y'all? And so, um, so, so I'm not that strong. I'm not bragging, okay? Please understand I'm not bragging. I, I was so good at powerlifting, I had to become a preacher, okay? And so, um, so uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you for your last. I appreciate that. So when you put this on and you cinch it up, it stabilizes your core and it allows you to carry more weight and stabilize that weight. The belt of truth and having truth in your life, and we'll unpack how this unfolds here in just a minute, stabilizes and secures your core. The idea is you can't carry every other piece of armor you need unless you have the belt of truth on. You can't carry the burdens in your life, and we'll see how this plays out in a minute, unless you have your belt of truth on. I would go so far as to say you cannot carry your cross unless you have the belt of truth on that stabilizes your core. Secondly, it secures your breastplate. Your breastplate. For a Roman soldier, their breastplate connected a lot of their vital organs and the belt of truth wrapped around the breastplate in order to hold it in place. Without your belt, of, your belt for a Roman soldier, not belt of truth, I'm getting that mixed up. Without the belt for the Roman soldier, the breastplate would fly all over the place, unsecure, and in fact, most likely fall off while they were in battle. Well, we're told about the breastplate represents righteousness, and we're going to go into depth on this next week. I'm going to try not to preach part of my sermon today. A few weeks ago, we talked about and defined righteousness, and we compared it to holiness, and we said holiness are the decisions and the actions we do in order to become more like Jesus. Righteousness is what we receive when we're saved. Jesus died on the cross so that we could receive his righteousness and be covered in his blood. A breastplate is something, it's one of those halves that you put on when you get saved. But here's the reason why so many of us struggle with our righteousness. It's because we don't have the belt of truth on. You don't have truth on, 
your righteousness is going to flop all over the place. In other words, if you don't have your belt of truth on and you're not rooted in truth, you're going to constantly doubt whether or not you even are saved and righteous through Jesus. Hello, America. Hello, everybody gets baptized multiple times. Nothing wrong with that if you've done that. Most of the people in here have probably said the sinner's prayer at 15 or 20 different altar calls because you're just not quite sure if you even really know Jesus or not. You think you do, but you're not really living it. Well, the reason you doubt that and your righteousness is all over the place is because you don't have your belt of truth on. See, I'll tell you this, it's impossible to fight a battle if you're not sure which side you're even fighting for, y'all. Too many Christians are functioning as double agents. And you're going to hear this quote several times. You're riding the fence, and when you ride the fence, you end up getting bit on both legs. And that goes true for spiritual warfare as well. A couple other things about the fact that truth secures that really we can learn from. It keeps you from tripping up. Every Roman soldier would wear a tunic. It was like a long nightgown that would go down to their feet. And when they were running into battle, they would lift their tunic up and tuck it into their belt so that they wouldn't trip while they were in battle. Uh, Chuck Swindoll puts it this way, the belt had the important function of keeping soldiers free, protected, and agile enough to attack or defend whichever the situation in the battle required. Put on your belt of truth, base your life in truth, live a life of truth, no truth, stand for truth. Be a lot less tripping up in your life. Fourthly, and I have to include this one, truth keeps you from looking foolish and being embarrassed. If you don't put a belt on and you try to run into battle, your britches are likely to fall down. And you're going to fall and you're going to look foolish. I was talking to Pastor Donovan about this sermon, who is our RYA, basically our college pastor, and we were talking about this, and he said, hey, man, are you going to use the example about getting pants? Like, you know, if your pants fall down, I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, whenever I think about the belt of truth, I think about how embarrassing it is if you don't have a belt on and somebody comes up behind you and pants you. He says, I remember one time we went to like a jump gym place where there was a bunch of trampolines, and I didn't have a belt on. And as soon as I jumped on a trampoline, a kid came up behind me and pulled my britches down in front of the whole class. And it was so embarrassing, and I looked so foolish. Listen to me when I say this, Rev Church. Without a standard of truth, you will look foolish. Our culture today, pretty foolish. We look around, I like, like, let's just be honest. I'm not trying to offend anybody in here, but we don't even know what a woman is. We don't know what a man is. We don't know what marriage is. We don't know what life is. And y'all, it's like we got our pants down. And, and, and honestly, it's embarrassing. If you're a Christian in here and you're living in this culture, you're embarrassed. You're like, Am I living on Mars? Like, what's going on here? This is what happens more on this later. Uh, when you don't have your belt of truth on, you look foolish, and you're pretty embarrassed. Number two, 
Number one, truth secures. Number two, truth protects. Everybody say protects. This belt that Roman soldiers would wear, again, six inches roughly of very thick leather, and it was a line of defense in one of the most vulnerable areas of the body where if someone swung a sword and swiped it at you, um, it would protect you, that thick leather would. If someone took a dagger out and tried to stab you in the stomach, this was one of the first lines of defense against those things. So truth protects against two daggers in our life. Number one, against the dagger of deception. You remember the seven different schemes of the enemy we talked about last week? We're going to deal with every single one of those during this series, and this is one of them. They all started with a D. They were all alliterated. Pastor Matt loved it. Is Pastor Matt in here? I don't know if he's in here or not, but he loved that they were alliterated. They all started with a D. So truth protects against the dagger of deception. See, truth is what we know as objective, not subjective. Objective means that that it doesn't change. Subjective means that it changes with each person. Truth is objective. Maybe you've heard it this way. In other words, the the truth doesn't care about your feelings. Truth is what it is. It is truth, and it's not up for interpretation. You know, I've noticed this about truth, that you can believe something's true even when it's not. Have you all ever noticed that? There's a lot of that that goes on in this room and in this culture. You believe something is true with all your heart, but it's not true. There are lots of singing shows out there like The Voice, X Factor, uh, but the one that was the most popular when I was in my early 20s was a show called American Idol. Anybody know American Idol? Raise your hand in here if you've ever heard of it or whatever. Well, I used to watch American Idol, but only through the tryouts. And I quit watching after that because I don't care who sings good or whatever. But, but the tryouts were the greatest part, and here's why. Because people showed up, if you remember, to try out that could not sing worth a lick. They were absolutely horrible. They sounded like dying pigs. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like They were terrible. I was going to show a video of it, but my wife was like, you can't do that. That's like making fun of somebody. And I'm like, well, it's hilarious. Because people would show up to these tryouts, and they've been told their whole life how great a singer they are, probably in church and in school, right? Oh, you're so good. And they show up, and they can't sing. But they really believe they can sing. But it took an objective person or standard telling them the truth for them to realize what you think is truth is actually not true at all. See, when you're deceived, you need an objective standard to tell you you're wrong. What if you thought you could fly? And you really believed it with all your heart. Well, the truth of gravity is going to let you know that's not going to happen. Hopefully, a person that really loves you will let you know and say something to you and take a stand for truth before you jump off the building and kill yourself because you think you can fly. Does this make sense to everybody? Say amen. amen. So, so we've got to know truth. And the way we know truth is we have a standard. And that standard is, guess what? It's God's Word. It's the Bible. It is truth. See, in this world we live in, there really is no standard of truth. We hear things like, I'm living my truth. And, and in a way to please everybody and get along, 
Christians have become so weak. I don't want to offend anybody. And we don't stand for truth. And as a result, we don't have our belt of truth on. And there's a cascading effect with spiritual warfare. See, the reality is for something to be true, it means something must be false. And when we stand for truth, what we're essentially doing is we're calling out the lies of the enemy. Uh, If I could put it in a phrase that may be familiar, this is a country song. Surely we know it in Crossville, Tennessee. If, If you don't stand for something, you'll what? Fall for anything. That's the idea here. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, was quoted as saying this, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. Here's the idea. It doesn't matter what you think is truth. It matters what God says is truth. It doesn't matter what you feel is true or you want to be true or what your truth is. It matters who set the standard for truth, what God says is truth. In the early 90s, there were bracelets that were made that were really popular and all the Christians were wearing them. I've got one on right here. And the bracelets said WWJD. Does anybody remember those bracelets back in the day? We got a bracelet in the back of the seat in front of you or on the seat that's a WWJD bracelet. We want you to take that home because the idea here is... Before we do anything, we say, what would Jesus do? Before we think anything, say anything, do anything, we say, what does God say about this? What does Jesus say about this? Not what I say, not what I want, not what I believe, not what I think is truth. What does Jesus say? What would Jesus do? What does the Bible say? Because what you think is truth might not be truth. And this is important because this is directly tied to it. Truth protects against the dagger of deception, but the dagger of deception leads to the dagger of destruction. And boy, Satan sticks that dagger in. Truth protects against the dagger of destruction. When Christians ask questions like, where do we get our morals? Where do we get our confidence? Where do we get our instruction? Where do we get our application? How do we answer all these questions in our lives? We go to the source of truth, the standard of truth. That is the Bible. If you're asking yourself, is it okay to lie? You should first say, what does the Bible say? What would Jesus do? When you ask yourself a question like, is it okay to have sex? We don't do it based off our feelings. Because being quite honest with you, it feels pretty good. Okay. Was that inappropriate for church? I'm trying to get y'all woke up. We're going to tell the truth here and be honest. I'm going to say it again. Be honest with you, it feels pretty good. But short-term gain always leads to long-term pain, doesn't it, y'all? No, we go to Scripture. And we say, what does God say about it? What would Jesus do? You're asking questions about being gay. You're asking questions about uh, being trans. You're asking questions about all these different things. We go to Scripture to base what truth is off of what God says. Is it okay to murder? Where does life begin? All those things. We go to Scripture and we base our beliefs off what the Bible says. How do we prioritize our lives? What are the things that should be most important to me? It's not based off of what you feel, what you like, what you think is good. You do it based off what Scripture says. 
Hey, how about this? How do we fight depression? How do we fight anxiety? How do we fight satanic feelings? How do we fight satanic temptations and attack? We do it through truth. One of my mentors, Pastor Chris Stevens, who is much more seasoned than I am in ministry. That's a really nice way of saying he's a lot older than me. Um, he was telling me the other, the other few months ago when we were talking about truth, he said, you know, back in the 1980s, I can remember when preachers all around the world were giving a warning, especially in America. And maybe you remember this. They were saying, we're losing truth. They would say things like, truth is becoming relative. People are starting to live their own truth. They were giving warnings 40, 50 years ago about this. Recently, Barna, who is one of the most reliable Christian research firms that there is, Barna Research uh, surveyed 21 to 41-year-olds, and 60% of 21 to 41-year-olds said that truth is fluid and it is, in fact, relative. In other words, there's no standard of truth. Along with those warnings that those pastors gave, they would say things like, if we lose truth, then anxiety is going to go through the roof. If we lose truth, people's stress levels are going to skyrocket. If we lose truth, this nation and this world will be more divided than it's ever been. If we lose truth, suicide rates are going to go through the roof. If we lose truth, violence is going to go through the roof. Because there's no objective standard. What's to keep anybody from doing all those things? Hello? 2022? Did you ever think you'd see a day where five-year-olds were struggling with anxiety? What? We've lost truth. Psalm 11.3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Y'all, the foundations are destroyed. But what we do is we cling to truth. Our basis is truth. It secures us and it protects us. Thirdly, y'all still with me? Say, I am. Hope this helps. Truth holds your offensive weapons. It holds your offensive weapons. A Roman soldier would have several daggers, have their sword, as you see here. And it was all held by their belt. So while... Your belt is not an offensive weapon in itself. If you don't have your belt on and you're a Roman soldier, you have no offensive weapons to fight the enemy with. The belt of truth, it's not an offensive weapon in itself. It's really for protection and those types of things. But if you... Don't base your life in truth and know truth and stand for truth and have your belt of truth on, then you will have no offensive weapons, quite literally, to speak of. None. In the armor of God, it's debatable whether or not the shield of faith is an offensive weapon. I tend to think that it is an offensive weapon, but without question, The main offensive weapon we have that's referred to in Ephesians chapter 6 is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's our offensive weapon. Without your belt of truth on, you have no way to fight the enemy. See, the belt functions also not just as a weightlifting belt or something that holds your clothes in place, but 
as a tactical belt. This is a tactical belt from uh, for that, like a law enforcement or a soldier would use, and and it holds your offensive weapon. My airsoft gun here. Okay, I'll let security know it's an airsoft gun. It's not loaded, so I'm not going to get taken out. Okay, but I'm still not going to put my finger on the trigger or point it at anybody. Okay, the, our security team, give it up for them, man. They're they're awesome. They're just waiting. They're just waiting to take somebody out, even if it's the crazy preacher. So, so anyway, here's the thing. You put your belt on, you have an offensive weapon. You don't have your belt on, which is the way most people, even Christians, function. And you try to fight the enemy in your flesh and with the world's weapons, you're going to get destroyed. Oh, oh, I'm... I'm living my own truth. So I'm just not going to worry about this spiritual attack. You know what that's like? That's like fighting the enemy with this. I'm serious, man. This is why some of y'all struggle. You've been trying to deal with an issue that is coming out in a physical manner through the flesh or with the world's ways. And so it's like, I'm fighting my, I, I'm, I'm living my own truth, devil. I'm strong enough. I'll just do good things and then good things will happen to me. Karma. You know. You're completely helpless. You put on the belt of truth. You have an offensive weapon. So you don't have on your belt of truth. You have no offensive weapons. Guess what? All you can do is take shots from the enemy. That's why some of y'all are waking up. Depressed today. Anxiety today. This day. And you never even gave thought that what you need to do is put on the armor of God and fight a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. And you take your sword, your offensive weapon that is attached to your belt of truth. You can't separate them. And you start to fire on the enemy. Does that make sense to everybody? You start to fire on the enemy. Listen, the way you've been trying to deal with it ain't been working for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You've went to see every specialist there is. You've tried drugs for it. You've done this. You've done that. How about, and I'm not hating on you. I'm not saying that's not necessary sometimes, but I am telling you, if you haven't tried to fight this thing in the spiritual realm, it will never get better. Just as a reminder, how we put our belt of truth on, threefold. Number one, you believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. In other words, if you're not saved, there's no way you can fight this. Truth incarnate, Jesus Christ. Number two, you tell the truth. You live a life of integrity and character. I was thinking about this. You know, whenever I've done marriage counseling, and I'm not a good counselor, y'all. Like, we've got counselors in the church that are great at it, but I'm really bad at it. Because, like, I'll sit there with you for five minutes, and, like, you need somebody that will listen to you and walk with you. I'm not good at that. You talk to me for ten minutes, and I'll look at you and say, you're doing this wrong, and you're being an idiot, and you're doing this. Start doing this. Get out of my office. You know what I mean? I'm just terrible at it. But, but every, every single couple, every single couple, one of the things that I say, stop doing this, is, if you're having marriage problems, there's probably a whole lot of lying going on. 
whole lot of distrust. I can't trust him. He lies to me about the dumbest stuff. He just, he tells me he's on his way home, but he's not. He stops and does this, and, ah, and boy, it's built up, hasn't it? Just as one example, you want to fix your marriage? Try putting the belt of truth on. Just Thirdly, know the Bible. Know the Bible. The average person spends eight to ten hours a day on their phone. You're going to stand before God one day, and he's going to say, hey, why didn't you learn more of the Bible? Well, I just didn't have time. And he's going to look at you, and he's going to be like, really? You spent five hours a day on Facebook. Now, I know that's really important, okay, y'all? I'm not hating on you, okay? Send your emails to, who's in here right now? Uh, worship at CrossvilleRevolution.com, not to pastor, okay, at Crossville. I know, Facebook's important. I got rid of Facebook about three, three months ago when I preached a sermon about giving things up for the glory of God. I'll tell you, my life's just falling apart, y'all. I'll tell you. It's just, I'll tell you, I miss it. You think God's going to buy that? The benefit in this world? Learn scripture. Get off your phone. Is now you have an offensive weapon. You've hidden it in your heart. And you pull that sword out whenever you need to fight the enemy off. Make sense to everybody? Say amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. You're awesome. You're mighty. I pray for every single person that is under the sound of my voice, God. Such a basic, simple thing to put on our belt of truth, to know the truth, know Jesus, know the Bible, and to stand for truth in our lives. I pray for the people at Revolution Church, God, that they do that. They put on their belt of truth, and, and God, it secures them in their faith. We don't have a bunch of wishy-washy people that don't even know if they know Jesus or not. That they know, as the Bible says, you may know that you are saved. God, that, that the belt of truth protects them, keeps them from looking foolish, keeps us from tripping up. And God, finally, I just pray that we know Scripture. Truth and, and your word, the sword of the Spirit, are are connected and you cannot separate them. And so, God, I, I pray, I pray, Lord, that we are people of your word. Thank you that you led this church years ago to move to expositing books of the Bible and not just having candy-coated fluff series that are motivational speeches, but, God, we're, we're trying to get, get the sword into people's hands so they can fight these real battles they're up against. Lord, I pray you strengthen every person in here. And God, even if they walked in today with no faith, I pray they borrow some of our faith and they make it through the rest of the week. We love you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.